Let's pray, and then I'll talk more. Father, thank you so much for this day. Uh, man, thank you for the blessing of, of gathering even more of us together as we begin to, uh, man, just, just meet again. Uh, man, we're so excited, Lord, and we give you praise for that. And Father, <clears throat> I pray that today everyone would not take that for granted. Lord, that we would remember what it was like to be separated even more than we, we are now as there's still things in place. And I pray that you would um, help everyone to, to not live inwardly focused, Father, but to be uh, outwardly focused. And um, Lord, I pray that you would prepare hearts, all the anxieties and the fears and hurts and the brokenness and the anger and the frustration, the things that can, that can get inside and get in front of what you have for us. I pray that you would help us to lay that down. And Lord, I pray that everyone here uh, would be just open to your word, uh, even if, if sometimes they may not like the guy who's delivering it. And I do pray that you would help me to preach your word uh, with your fire in my eyes, your love in my tongue, and I give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. How you guys doing? All right. Um, so I want to tell you guys just in case, because I know there was some confusion. Are we open? We were open. We did what's called a soft open. We know what that is. I didn't tell you that. Meaning we didn't go around and use our social media to advertise that. Uh, I'll tell you later how many are here, even without that. It's pretty crazy. So this coming week, if you're watching this and you're not here live and you're like, man, that'd be cool to come, you can. Uh, come join us next week. Service starts at 6. You can come anytime between 5 and 6, right? That's good. So we're really excited. I want to tell you guys, we're going to start a new series today. And I'm going to give props to a guy. He loves attention. Where's he at? He's not in here. He's probably hiding in the back. So a friend of mine, David, if you guys go to this church, you know him. Him and I talk quite a bit, usually virtually. And uh, he asked me, he thinks like me in a way, like we're just very random in the, the way God talks to us and thoughts, and we sort of share thoughts. And he, he sent me a message probably a month ago. Um, and he said, and he said, Todd, what would it be like? He goes, if you were to write a letter to the church, like Paul wrote to Corinth, and then he, he's smart enough to know how Christians are. I'm not saying I'm Paul, and he said that, to, you know, because some of you. But he did, some of you think that. You're looking for trouble. So he said, though, what would you say? What would you say the remedy? It was just a good starter conversation. And I told him at the time, I said, man, I, I don't know, because I knew that that question had weight. You know what that means? Yeah? Are you guys awake? Should I dance or something? Um, so I'm not dancing. No, I was just to see if you're awake. Yeah, so it had weight, and... I told him that I'd have to get back to him because I'm not sure, and I never did. So this is me getting back to him in a way. So in the next several weeks, uh, I'm going to, I actually did write a letter, believe it or not, um, and maybe I'll post it. You guys can see it someday, but um, to you guys as my brothers and sisters, and, and as I prayed over what would I want to say, what truths of God's word would I want to, to remind us of, and uh, that's what this is starting with today. We'll see how long it goes. So I started with the question of, what do I say to a people that I love so much? I mean that. See, when I say that, I'm not a very good schmoozer like, in the sense of I can't, people, I feel like people can read my face too easily. So when I tell you that I love you, I really mean that. You know, I love you. Uh, and so I think to myself, if I you know, I, I don't like to think that way, but if I only had one letter to say everything I wanted to say, what would I say? What would I, if you weren't going to be here anymore, what, what departing message would I give you? What do I desperately want you to know and remember? And I'm not kidding you, ironically. Unbeknownst to me, this happened on Father's Day. This is not planned. You would think it is, it's not. 
Because you know I don't plan that well. I believe, what, what came to my heart is I believe that first and foremost, and even as I say this, your Christian earmuffs, some of you are going to prevent you from actually hearing me. And this is what hinders your faith. I mean that. See, some of you have a very dead faith, very dry. And that's why you struggle with your, your walk with the Lord, uh, part of it. Because to you, it's just words on a page. It's just words. It's just things that you hear that don't mean a lot. But what that thing is, that reminder would be that I want you to know He is Father. That He is your Father. That He is your Father. Now see, Father comes with baggage. Because no matter how good of an earthly father you have, some of you are blessed with a really good earthly father. Even they hurt you. So it's hard to remember that. Um, It's hard to know what that means. It's hard to see it personally and positively but he is your father he's your good good father think about that for a second we sing a song good good father do you actually let those words what does that mean to you i want to read i want to read you a verse first john two verses first john three one would be the first one so what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of god and so we are and then it goes on to say, the reason why the world does not know us is that I not know him. But that first sense is what I want to focus on. See what kind of love the Father, capital, has given to us that we should be called children of God. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12, says, but to all who did receive him, who's the him you think? There you go, good guess. It's ever a him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, if you're in this room and you call yourself a Christian, that's you. So the second sentence comes, applies to you. He gave the right to become children of God. And that simple truth is so important and so mind-blowing and so unfortunate that many of us don't really think about what that entails. We don't think about what that actually means, like, Even me, as I struggle to think through what it looks like to explain to you that he is your father, I struggled with that. I almost scrapped it, even though it's what came to my mind, because the fact is, you're you're too numb to it. God is my father. You are a good, good father. Blah, blah, blah. It just becomes words. But this, this one simple fact can change the entire way you view God, the way you view your relationship with him, and even the way you view your life. He is your Father. He loves you. He delights in you. Do you believe that? That when He looks at you, He's delighted? And before you say, well, what does that mean? It's like what all of you do when you see a little baby. I see it in the church all the time. It's like you see a baby, you don't even know him. You're like, hey, you, right? It's not even your child. You're delighting in it. Parents, grandmas, all of you, I see your pictures. You're posting all the time. The way you delight in that baby is the way that God the Father delights in you. The way you review, if you would view it that way, it could change your life. That that he delights in you. He wants to give you good things. Do you believe God wants to give you good things? See, sometimes we live in uh, this mindset that if we're good enough, then God can be obligated to give us good things, which is twisted in itself, right? But that still doesn't mean that he wants to. We kind of think like he, it's like a work week, right? Your boss is like, yeah, here's your check. You earned it. Instead of he wants to give you good things. That he delights in that. That, How about this? That he is pleased with you. 
See, the first thing most of you think of, because you're not narcissists, right, is all of the things you do wrong. All of the things that make you unworthy of God, the Father. This can't be real, because even as I speak, I promise you, some in this room immediately go, he's not pleased with me. He's not pleased with me. He is. How about the fact if I told you that God, your Father, is for you, not against you? He's for you. What does that mean? The same way you're for your kid. You know, some of you, I notice if I say anything to your kid, not even bad. I'm just like, hi, I notice your son has a green shirt. You're like, well, it's really nice green, right? Because you're for your kid. You don't want anyone to say anything, do anything that could hurt your child. Let that sink in for a second. Let it sink in that in Christ, you are adopted, taken into the, man, the mansion, given an inheritance, you have an inheritance. You've, get, you've been given part of it now, and you're going to be, be given the rest of it later, and it's incredible that you are treated, that the Father, the Bible tells us, and we'll see this, that you are actually called sons and daughters of God, the creator of the universe. Like, think about that. Now, I want you to think for a second. I want you to consider everyone in here. I know you're sleepy. You got some food. Right? If you're out there on social media, you've got to go watch your How to Make Homemade Ice Cream video on Facebook. But stay with me. Consider for a moment your idea of a good father. Everyone has one. Now, for some of you, it's not your father. It might even be a, a character on a movie. It might be someone else's father. It could even be something you've created. But whatever your example is of a good father, I didn't say perfect, good, let's start there. Just a good father. What traits does he have? I'm serious, think about it. Who is he? What's he like? How does he interact with his children? What makes him good? What does he have that makes him such a good father? What does your heart long for or have longed for in a father? See, fatherhood's such a special thing. You know, we're in a society that wants to make fathers not important anymore, but try as we might, the absence of a father, look it up. See, the world, no matter how hard they try to minimize the importance of a father, it's woven into us, and we see the effects of not having a father. A father is important, and we all long for one. Whether we have one, we long for a better relationship with our father, we, we long for these things. What is it that you long for? Now, I've given you all those things. Now, listen, you ready? God is all of those things and more. Every good trait that you dream of, that is God. How do you even know what a good father is? If I were to ask people from all different cultures, there might be different variations, but a father, a good father is going to have certain, qual certain qualities that are across the board because it's woven into us. Because we know who our father really is. God is all of those things. He is your provider. He is your protector. He is your comforter. He is your healer. He is your encourager. He is your good, good father. Now, these type of truths like this take more than a surface level of acceptance. That's a big mouthful, right? What that means is if you come in here and you think, I'm hearing a Father, God is Father message again, and your mind goes off, then it, that's what it is. You might go out of here and feel a little better, but it won't radically change your life. I'm telling you right now, if I've ever told you anything, remember it's my letter to you, that if you accept this, if you let yourself for the next half hour, that's all it is on a Sunday, truly think through what this means. 
it can change your life and your faith. If you just say to yourself, yes, he's my father, then most likely you'll forget. You won't let it truly speak to your heart. You won't let it change your understanding. You won't let it change your life. I've learned a lot about God from watching kids in this church. Kids of my friends. I really have. It's been a weird thing. It's like he knew I was going to talk about this someday. Because this has been for about a year. I've really, it's like I can't, it's going to sound creepy, but I mean, I can't stop seeing them, right? I can't stop watching how they're interacting and seeing the things they do. And, and instead of allowing myself, maybe the Holy Spirit's not letting me just go, yeah, that's what kids do. But I actually think about what they're doing. Kids don't worry. I'm talking about the little, little ones. They don't worry. The two-year-olds, right? They don't worry. There's a point, and now don't get me wrong, parents. You know, you're in a unique place, and it's kind of sad. Isn't it interesting that there's a, there's a time, and maybe you're not there yet, and maybe you remember it, where this stops, and they become adults, and they stop, or maybe, you know, just older, and they start to worry. But when they're little, when they're toddlers and running around and doing all they don't worry. Listen up. Think about that for a second. They don't worry about if mom or dad love them. They don't. They don't walk around and say, I wonder if dad doesn't love me anymore because I pooped my diaper. They don't think that. I wonder if mom doesn't love me anymore because I left that toy out and she stepped on it, right? They don't think that. That's just, of course they love me. They don't worry about if something will happen to them because they know dad's there. I've watched it. It's the simplest thing. Dad, there's a spider. They don't consider, well, what if I ask him and he doesn't come? They don't hesitate to call for dad when they're afraid or need help. I've watched it. I'm scared. Daddy, I'm scared. It's dark. It's whatever else it is. Help me. Even silly things. You know, the meme guy in this church, he knows who he is. He shared a meme, but it, it was silly, but there's truth. He's like, Dad, I can't beat this boss, right? They come to you and like, as we get older, like if I come to one of you guys, because that's like me and you're the dad because I can't play games well, and I'm like, hey, come, you're going to make fun of me. But they don't think that way. They don't, they're just like, Dad will take care of it. I have a problem. Dad, help me. They don't wonder if their dad loves them. They just rest in being a child of their father. They don't go, is dad going to kick me out? They don't know if I, am I in so much trouble that you know, they're going to punish. They don't even think about that. We have to teach them what punishment is, right? We have to teach them that because they can't even fathom that. I, watch, I always feel like I bring Miles up, but I spent a lot of time with him. This just happened yesterday. They didn't know I was going to talk about this. It's a funny story, but he was being ridiculous. He was choking me with my hood, and Jill was like, stop choking him, right, over and over. And he kept choking me because that's Miles. And then, she, then he got up and ran around and was, I don't know, he's, he's, he's a wild man. But she's like, get up here. And he just smiled. She's going to get a spanking, and he just goes. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I know she spanks him, and I think he knows it. But you know what's funny? He didn't in that moment go, he knew mom still loves me. Now, it's in the moment, she's got to teach him. You can't be, you know, that didn't make her happy. Trust me. Wouldn't make, but there's something in that. There's something in him because that's not how you view God. See, when you mess up, you go, huh. He doesn't even have to say he's going to spank you before you're already crying. There's something about. Now, you ready? The way God views us. Do you know that he compares us to children? So many times. You've got to have faith like a child. What does the faith of a child look like in their father? Before they've been hurt, before the sinfulness of their father shows himself because the perfect father is not perfect on this earth. Before all of those things, they just trust their dad. 
And I think there's something there when God tells us and compares us to that. There's an incredible verse, and I, this, this was eye-opening to me. You know, Jesus is talking about leading his followers astray, and then he brings a child, and it's kind of confusing. And he says, anyone that, that causes one of these little ones to stumble, it'd be better to put a stone around his neck and throw him in the sea, right? Who did he compare and say were the children? His followers, you. That he loves you that much that those who hurt you will have justice coming. Like, think of that for a second. That's not just for the kids, guys. There's always, Jesus has something for all of us. They just rest in being the child of their father. Do you view God as father? Maybe you don't have a father, and you don't know what that looks like. Maybe you had a father, but your father dropped the ball. Maybe he left. Maybe he was violent. Maybe he is the type that, that hurts you more than he helped you. And it's very easy when someone says, Father, we don't do it consciously, but it's very easy to put the traits of our, our fallen earthly father on God, and that's why we struggle with him. So I want to tell you today, I don't want to make it complicated. I could give you 100, but I'm going to give you three traits of your father. And here's the, here's the cool thing. I didn't make this up, right? It's here. And the, the neat part is, if, if you're in here and you're watching from the stream and you're not a believer, even in this room, then that's okay. Right now, you may not get that, but there's something making you watch that. It's because your father's still calling you home even now. But if you're in the room and you put your faith in him, then this is how he is to you. These traits are to you. This is a beautiful verse. We'll start. I'm going to give you verses for all of them, right? That makes sense. You guys know. I mean, you already know that I don't have the list up here for you. So I'm just going to have to tell you. So I'm going to give you the verse, and I'm going to give you the trait. Does that work? Yeah? Good. Thank you. Nice. You guys are here. Psalm 103, 13. Ooh, this is so beautiful. Let this sink in. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now, fear here, you're like, Todd, I thought you said, listen, Fear here is different. It's translated more like awe, right? You see a lion, even in a, in a cage, there's a little fear there, like that thing could eat me, right? You don't fear it's going to, but it could. You know, God, the fear of the Lord, the beginning of understanding, all those types of things don't mean cringing and fear. They mean understanding God is God and you are not. Well, here's the thing. When you accepted Christ, those in this room, you right now, if you have accepted Christ, you've already feared the Lord. So, Put that aside, so let's just look at the first part. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You ready? So the Lord has compassion on you. So what's the first trait? He is kind and compassionate. Your father is kind and compassionate. This is an area, you know, being in my position puts me in tough places sometimes because I want to relate to you, but I also want to honor my family sometimes, and it's hard, but... But, I, but it's my story too, right? And see, my dad is an awesome dad. I did. I love my dad. Taught me a ton. I just sent him a thing today, all the good things. But one of the things my father wasn't, he wasn't necessarily a kind or compassionate guy, right? Eh, compassionate. That's not how I would, not the traits that would come to my mind. The only reason I tell you that as a kid, he's changed, is that that is hard for me to understand sometimes. Even when you say, some of you in this room think God loves me, but you accept love in the sense of an obligation, right? Some of you have lived thinking a parent has to love me, but he doesn't like it. Any of you ever feel that way? 
Like, yeah, he's taking care of me, but he doesn't like to do it. See, God is kind and compassionate to you. What is compassionate? Gentle. Loving. That when you mess up and when you spill the milk, that he doesn't come in screaming. That he helps you. In fact, verse 14 of that same verse section says, For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. That's interesting. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows what we are made of, remembering we are dust. That sounds depressing. You know what it really means to me? To me, it's saying because he knows our weaknesses. He's understanding of them. He knows that we only have a limited understanding, right? Why do you think he said, Blessed are those who believe without seeing? He knows how hard life is. He has understanding from when we fail. He has understanding from when we drop the milk. He is kind. He is compassionate to you. How do I know that? You heard me a couple weeks ago. He's not mad at you anymore. There's no anger. It's gone. The punishment is gone. Sometimes, as I mentioned, we don't believe that love comes with kindness. And probably in this world, it's possible to love someone without being kind to them and compassionate to them, right? Not agape, God-like love, but the world's standard of love. I can love someone without being compassionate to them. In fact, sometimes we justify that, don't we? We say, well, no, it might be harsh, but I'm loving them. God not only loves you, but he's compassionate to you. So you don't think he understands how hard it is for you to do X, Y, Z, to trust, to have faith, that those moments of doubt that you think he's mad about and doesn't want you anymore, that instead he's compassionate, he understands. I often think of it this way. When a, when a child's first learning to walk, I, we have babies. Can I say babies' first names? Is that a legal thing? Jackson, I can say it. She knows because I've talked about this. Jackson, my godson, he's learning to walk. They're not taking him. I want you to consider the possibility. I, I'm any of us, maybe it's me, I'm helping him walk, and I let go, and I say, now walk! I'm going to help you walk now! And then someone says, why are you yelling at him? Because he has to learn how to walk. No, you know what we do? If he takes two steps and stumbles, we're going, yay! Why? Because we understand that he's just learning. Right? That's what a good father does. Why don't you apply that to yourself? That you're still learning. That you're still growing. That your father doesn't sit there and focus on the fact that you only took three steps. He's so excited that you took three steps. That's one of those things that I feel like I could sit here and talk about for 30 minutes because I guess I want to make you get it. But I guess I still don't get it all the way. And that's why I try to have these moments where I go, huh, you know, that would be crazy for a father to yell at his son for only taking three steps. That's just learning to walk. Right? And I'll talk about this in a second. And, and God, I don't think God is at least that kind, at least that compassionate, at least that understanding to our failings and our stumbles. Course he is. Because God is more interested in the long-term goal, isn't he? And you becoming who you are made to be. He is faithful to finish the good work he started in you. He'll hold your hand all the way down to the end line, right? Now, if you want to be a 60-year-old kid learning how to walk, that's fine, but he'll still do it because he's going to get you where you're going. He is kind and compassionate. Your father is kind and compassionate. Two. Big verse, favorite verse, a lot of people know it, quote it, it's on plates, right? I don't know why I always say plates. I feel like, like plates are the symbol of things we make Christian that make no sense, right? I guess you could see it at the, when you're done with your beans, I don't know. 
Romans 8.15. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. In case you've never heard this or you're on the stream, I know if you're a long-term remnant person, I, I, I love sharing this. It's not that big of news, but some of you may not have heard. Abba's really better translated daddy. It's a term of affection, right? Isn't that crazy? Abba, father, daddy. So let's, let's piece that together. Paul says, listen, you're not a slave. See, when slaves come into, it's hard for us to think of it. Think of whatever you want. You can think of an employee that no one likes, whatever. But slaves didn't walk, you know, if a slave did something that displeased the master, what happened? Right? In the old, they get hit, they get beat, they get thrown outside, they get something taken away, they get punished. You know, who do you think you are, right? You don't have slaves eat at the main table, do you? They're too afraid. They're afraid. He says, you're not a slave, a spirit to fall back into fear. And then he, he contradicts it. He says, this is one way to live, to be a slave, to be afraid all the time. Because some of us think that. See, some of you see, you know, it says, Scripture says you're a slave to something, slave to Christ. But his definition is different. What that means is some of us think that you live your lives this way. Yes, God saved you. Yes, that you're part of the house. But you're not really a part of the family. You just are a slave. And so you spend your life trying to do what the master says. And that's why when you fail, what do you do? You're waiting for the punishment. But then he, he contradicts it. He shows the other side. He says, no, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons or daughters. You're not slaves. You're a son. You're a daughter. Let that sink in. You've already said you believe that a man was raised from the dead. So... The fact that it, sh it shouldn't shock you that the creator of the universe is calling you a son or a daughter. I know it seems unrealistic, but you've already believed in something unrealistic. Okay? He says, you are a son or a daughter. What does that mean? By whom we cry, that means, what does that mean? It means we get to say, Daddy. I love that he put Abba in here. That's the Holy Spirit, right? Because some of us go, Father, it's such a formal term. Father, may I go outside and have a cup of tea? I don't know why you go outside to do it. But that's the type of thing you ask, right? As opposed to, Daddy. Daddy. Daddy, can I do this? Daddy, can I do that? What do we take from this? He is a gentle father. You don't have to be afraid of him. See, I live a lot of my life waiting for the hammer to fall. And it's funny, when you wait for the hammer to fall long enough when you mess up, you're eventually going to find proof, right? Because something bad happens. <laughs> when you do bad things, when you mess up, bad things happen. And if you're not careful, you can quickly go, oh, that's the master punishing me. That can happen. See, some of you live in that and you're probably not even aware of it. You live under this concept that, well, there, of course that's what happened. God hates me. Well, of course, if you wait long enough in a broken, fallen world for something bad to happen, it's going to happen. But instead, that's not what he is. Using the milk analogy, when you spill the milk, right? He can come in and kick you across the room, or he can come in, bend down, and help you clean it up. Your father is gentle. You don't have to be afraid. You get to call him daddy. Let that sink in. 
Guys, why, if I'm writing you a letter, is it so important? And the first thing I'm doing is telling you that he is your father. Because if you do not grasp this, it's going to be very difficult for you to grasp any of the rest of it. Next. I've got two verses for this. Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. This is Jesus himself. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, compared to God, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Let me put this in a, in a, in a Todd language for you. Well, first, let me jump down. Let me give you the other verse. I get so excited. Listen, I just get so excited. It's Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Very simply put, fear not, little flock. That's you guys, sheep. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oof. Here's the keys to the kingdom. It, is, it brings him pleasure to give you that. So going back to the first thing, I love this because Jesus says this analogy. He says, hey, if your son asked for bread, would you give him a rock? I didn't give you. He goes, no, of course not. All right, if he asked for a fish, would you give him a serpent? Of course not. That's evil. That's weird. He goes, okay. Well, you're all flawed. Your father in heaven is perfect. What do you think he's going to give you if you ask for something? You think, see, and before you guys go, eh, you think that way. So many times the reason you struggle to pray is because you think he's going to give you the opposite of what you ask for. You think that he doesn't want to give you what you want. See, what do we take from this? I forgot to give you that. I just get so excited. God, your father, will and wants to provide. He wants to provide. He wants to give you your needs. He wants to. Now, sometimes those desires that you want, not just even needs, those desires you want, you're not ready for yet. Let me give you another example. If we, if the sign of a good father is only when he gives us our desires when we want it, why don't you let your 10-year-old drive your car? Because they're not ready, and it's going to be disastrous, right? Why don't you let them, maybe you're into guns, and your 3-year-old's like, that's a cool gun, Dad. Would you load it and let me shoot it? He's not capable of that yet, right? They're not ready for that. And see, some of you, you think because God hasn't given you what you've asked for yet, that that means he's not going to, when instead he is waiting until you are ready to receive what he's going to give you. That's reality. Because it has to be that, right? It has to be that. Otherwise, he's lying. Sometimes we think we have to beg for things. We have to think, you know, if I, if I beg. There's a difference between asking and talking to your father and begging. I told you guys a few weeks ago I caught myself begging. And I felt like the Spirit said to me, why are you begging? I don't have to beg. He's my father. I don't have to beg. See, some of you, you beg because you don't think he wants to give you good things. Well, Luke tells us right here that he gets pleasure from it. I enjoy it. Hey, parents, do you like why do you get excited and come downstairs at 4 in the morning when your kids want to open presents? Is it because you want to get up at 4 in the morning? No. You enjoy watching them, right? You enjoy that moment when they rip it open and throw it to the side because it was only exciting for 30 seconds, right? But that 30 seconds is priceless to you. That's how your father views giving you gifts. He enjoys it. Some of you have been looking for comfort. You're hurting. You're going through tough times. 
people are hurting you. You're in a situation you can't get out of and, and you've stopped believing that God's going to come through because you don't believe that your Father wants to comfort you. That He not only wants to, but will comfort you. That He offers you that comfort now. That He's going to provide your needs. That you're not alone. That you're not forgotten. Let that sink in, please. Even if you have to pretend for a second, for the next 10 seconds, pretend that that's how God is. Because even as I say it, some of you are going, yeah, but. We have to accept that just like, you know, using the analogy of Miles choking me, he thinks that's fun to do, right? You can't let him keep choking me. Because what if he chokes some other guy someday who doesn't think that's so cute, right? Sometime, but he wants to. Mom, I want to keep choking Todd. It's so fun, right? You don't let him do that. And sometimes, guys, our father's the same with us. No, 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 I can't let you do that. But I have this for you. He wants to provide. You see, the world and your enemy, you have an enemy. Did you know that? And your enemy wants you to doubt these characteristics of your father. He does. Because when that happens, you start losing the joy of your faith. You stop wanting to go to church. Church becomes eh, something I do when I feel like it. You stop realizing that this isn't something you do in your life. This is your life. There's no partial following Him. See, we forget that. All of this stuff is just us following God. It's no different than if Jesus was standing on a road right now and said, follow me. And some of you think that, and then He's going off. I've said this before, and you think it just means start and stop whenever you want. That's not how it works. We're on a journey. It's life. As you go, as you work, as you go to your family events, as you go to church, all of these things you do, you are following Jesus' steps. You are following your Father. I said this earlier, that these type of truths take more than a surface level acceptance. You have to be willing to let that sink in. One of the hardest parts of this job, what I do, is the realization, because you get kind of good. Listen, I've said this before. I don't ever preach to a person. But I do sometimes see people and my heart breaks because I get that you're not getting it. Not because you can't, because you don't want to. You don't want to. Some of you would rather be slaves of the world than sons of the king. Because you think that that means you get to do whatever you want. Yeah, you can go drink poison if you want. You can settle living in the street and not the mansion if you want are you just going to sit here today and say yeah I hear this he's my father I try to think of all these eloquent ways to say it to pull at your emotional heartstrings right but I shouldn't have to because if you let these things sink in it's life changing and I, I would not sit here and tell you guys and lie to you that I'm, I do it well I don't I'm Maybe I'm preaching so passionately or I'm pleading with you to understand because I'm pleading with myself to get it. What if you believed and accepted it that He is your Father the same as you believe and accept that the ground you walk on on your, on your way out of here won't fall away? What if you did? What if you really, let, let just imagine that world. What if you didn't just believe it, this is going to be interesting, but you accepted it? See, sometimes you can say, I believe you're giving me a gift, but that's different than accepting it. 
What if you accepted that you were a son or daughter of the king? What if you stopped basing your um, worthiness on your actions? Jackson is not Peyton's son and Brandon's son because he walks well. You understand? That's just what he does. Their love for him isn't dependent on that. Let yourself envision God here right now fathering you. I used to, I had this moment since I kind of shared some things about my dad. I had these moments with my dad. My dad used to do this one simple thing. He wasn't a gentle guy, but he did this one thing that's always stuck out to me. I remember feeling proud. I don't know if you've ever been like this, guys. I think this is more for us guys. Girls, they interact with different. But my dad would sometimes, like if I'd be there with family when I was little, he would like come up and put his arms on my shoulder, right? Kind of squeeze it or put his arm around my neck and pretend he's choking me. You know, and then he did. No, I'm just kidding, right? That, but those moments, I knew that he was my father. He was claiming me, right? That there was security in that. What if you accepted that right now God has got his arms around you? That he's fathering you, that he loves you, that all those things are true. What would it change about how you approach the day when you wake up in the morning? If you knew my father is in control, my good father. What would it change about how you envision your struggles when you stumble, when you only take three steps? You might get frustrated. It's okay because you want to take ten, but would you beat yourself up and wait for him to hit you? To tell you you're not his child anymore? Or would you let your father pick you back up and help you walk? How would it change your view of your needs? Well, yeah, I know I want this, but... What if you were like, my, my dad likes to give me gifts. He likes to give me what my heart desires. And not only that, you ready? He will give it to me. Is it always when we want it? No. How would it make you, how would it change the way you viewed your fears? Right? If I let myself think that my God right now has his arms around me, then I don't really care what you guys think. Right? I don't really care what's going to happen tomorrow because I, I know that he's going to take care of me. How about your condemnation? Would you, could you ever be condemned if you believe that the God of the universe has said you're his child? Who's going to call you condemned? Who's going to call you something else? Right? So like when you, some of you got some mean brothers and sisters, anyone? Everyone raise their hand. Yeah, yeah. So like you guys are really nice. Everybody else, if you ask my family, they'd be raising their hand. Listen, sometimes your brothers and sisters say stupid stuff. They call you names, right? You're a jerk. Mom and, yeah. Anyone ever tell you mom and dad never wanted you? I've heard people say, some of you are laughing, yeah. Listen, right, already, yeah, that was me. Like, that hurts, but you don't actually go, oh, I guess mom doesn't want me anymore, I'll move out. You don't, right? Most of you, if you did, we'll talk later. But you don't. You don't. Why? Because you know that's ridiculous. What if you didn't let other Christians even tell you that he's not your father anymore because you stumbled? That, you just look at him and go, that's so ridiculous. I'm going to tell dad. Right? And then you go tell dad. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. What would you do if you believe he's standing behind you right now, putting his arms around you, claiming you as his own? That he views you the same as Jesus. Did you know what says that? Co-heirs with Christ. Listen to me, my friends, my family, right? In this letter, this first paragraph of the letter, that's a long letter, isn't it? There is no shame, there is no fear, and there's no need to be hesitant to go to your daddy for anything. 
I, ha- I feel like it would be cruel of me not to mention this part. Some of you don't have a father. You don't have an earthly father. You don't. And some of you had a really, really bad dad. Some, t- some of you had dads that did things to you that makes it hard for you to even interact with other men, to interact with other people. Some of you don't have a dad, so even the idea of it is, is sort of this, this picture, this amalgam of all these different traits. You try to make a thought of a dad, what that really is, but you don't have it, do you? It's a struggle every day. And so when I'm saying this to you, it's like, what does that mean to me? Psalm 68.5 has a message for you. He is father of the fatherless. Protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Father of the fatherless. You, all, you have a father. You have a father. Some of you that never had a dad, believe it or not, may, in a weird way, you're, I mean this, and it can be a blessing because you get to learn who your real father is without any of the junk that comes from the broken fathers sometimes, right? He is father of the fatherless. You have a father. Now, sometimes you don't feel like it, right? I get it. Sometimes he feels so far away. Sometimes it's, you know, you just, you, you want it tangibly, right? You want him to wipe away every tear and all those things he's going to. The Bible tells us that. So no matter where you're at in this room, you have a father. Let me ask you this. Today as we conclude this, do you see God as father? Do you want to? Maybe you don't, but do you want to? For some of you, it's, it, you want to, it's just hard. Some of you, you just want to go outside. You don't want to be around your father. You, that's why you're so mad all the time. That's why you don't like anyone telling you what to do because if we're honest with you, you're kind of a spoiled brat. I'm just being real with you. Some of you need to come in the house and let dad clean you off, all right? And quit hanging outside with the, I've got to think of another word, the hooligans. There we go. What if you allowed yourself today, my friends, listen to me. Remember, it's my letter to you. Will, you. will you really let this sink in that God is your father? And as you walk out today, just today, you know, I, I, let's start with the easy challenge. For the next six hours or however long until you go to sleep, some of you, that's like ten minutes, you're already asleep. Will you live like he's your father? That he is gentle and compassionate, that you don't have to be afraid of him, that he loves you, all of these things that he wants to provide for you and comfort you. This Christian thing, man, is odd because it's very easy to let it just be a thing. I'm t- it is. I'm telling you it is. And I have these moments. Do you ever have these moments where you feel like you're, you're, you're kind of seeing something, but you don't fully see it? If you know what I'm talking about, you know. If not, I'm going to sound crazy to you. It's like, I, I, I know you're there, God. I, I think I got a part of this, and there's so much more, and sometimes I get glimpses of it, and then I let life or something else sort of distract me. I think a big part of the next step of seeing this thing is understanding that the fact that he calls himself our father over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again means something. It means something. So some of you in this room, you know, we're going to have what we call altar time later. What is that? This is holy ground. The Bible tells us that. Did you know God is here? Yes, I know that, Todd. No, you don't know it. God is actually here in this room. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. He's here. And that he's given you an opportunity today to come to him 
We can do it any time, but these dedicated moments, we don't get them all the time in our busy days, do we? There's going to be people up here ready to pray with you. So if you're in this room and you've got wounds from your, your father, your earthly father, that you're having a hard time getting over, why don't you take this time to come and pray with your brothers and sisters to your real father and ask him to continue the healing process? Maybe you're one of the hooligans in the street and you need to come back to dad and say, hey, I, can I come back in? You don't even have to ask, but sometimes we have to ask for us, don't we? Some of you need to say, Lord, I ran out a long time ago and I want to come home. And you're like, will you let me back in? Well, see, Jesus tells a really cool story about a prodigal son that not only does he let him come home, he runs to meet him. Today he will run to meet you and bring you home. I don't know what you're going through, guys. Sometimes my heart breaks because I, I don't know. I'm not God, but I can feel it, right? You can sense it. People are hurting. God is your Father. Do you see Him that way? Do you want to? And you can. This altar time is also an opportunity for anything you need prayer for. Maybe you need to be reminded of that. Sometimes I think we make excuses for God. There's nothing wrong with coming up and saying, God, can you remind me this week that, I, that you're my Father? still moves. If you're in this room today or you're listening via the stream and, and you, you you get God but you don't know what this Christian thing is, listen, I'll, I'll tell you what the gospel is very quickly. God created everything and you are his child. He made us to be his image bearers, to live in his creation. He said, guess what? Remember I told you, he wants to give us the kingdom. This is the keys to the kingdom. Do what you want. Just let me be God and you not. I'll tell you what right and wrong is. Instead, we rejected that. We disobeyed. We said, I'd rather be on my own than be your son and your daughter. And so what happened was sin entered the world. Sin is both actions, the disobedience that we show, and the way we behave towards each other and towards God. And it's also an inherent sickness that we can't fix. See, even if you fix the symptoms, you, you haven't fixed the sickness. You need to fix the sickness before you can deal with the symptoms. So thousands of years of human existence have shown us what it's like when the kids leave home and say they don't need the Father anymore. We are separated from God. Without some way to go home, without a bridge, without someone to pay for uh, our penalty, to pay our penalty, to pay the price of our mistakes, of our sinful actions, of our evil, because compared to a perfect and holy God, we are evil in our actions. We hate each other. This, is a, this time in our country shows us what we are like on our own. We are destructive and vindictive and mean. And the Bible says we are storing up wrath for ourselves. Make no mistake, without a Savior, you will pay the price. The Bible tells us that. That's what hell is. It's the absence of the Father completely where punishment, you think you know. You want to be judged on your actions? How close are you to perfect? It's not close enough. Not when the standard is perfection. So we're in trouble. So God the Father came down in the form of the man. Jesus Christ, God became man. Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, he existed. Let's not even debate that. That's silly. And he said he is the Son of God and he showed us the way it is in the kingdom. He showed us how to love each other. He showed us what it was supposed to be like and then he did something incredible. He took our place. He stood in the way of the firing squad. He took the hangman's noose. He died on the cross so that you never have to. And the third day he was raised from the dead. And the Bible tells us that if you will put your faith in him, that you will not go to hell, that you will be saved. The Bible says 
that if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you admit your need for a Savior, that you are a sinner, you will be saved, period. And something incredible happens. The, the, the slate is wiped clean. The penalty is gone. He will never be angry at you, and you get to come and be who you were meant to be, his child, because he is your father. He can either be your father or he can be your judge. You choose. Don't leave here today if you're in the room without 100% knowing that he is your father. See, some of you have you skipped around for 20 years, gone to church, but you've never accepted him. You've never truly repented and accepted him. If that's you, don't worry about what other people think. Don't leave today because tomorrow's not promised. Don't leave today without knowing that God is your father and that you are forgiven. And if you're out there watching via the stream, you can do that from home. You can do that in your car, garage, bathroom, wherever you want. You don't need a high priest. You already have one. His name's Jesus. You just go to him and tell him. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you are choosing to.